This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. I'm Chris Hennessy. Colin Lochran back with us after a little bit of hiatus. Quigs here as well. Tyler Mooney running the board. Gentlemen, it's good to be back after Thanksgiving. How was the holiday? Definitely great, Chris. It's great to be back with you guys. So much great hockey to talk about. So many funky storylines as well to get to. Yeah, I had a good Thanksgiving. I watched some hockey, watched some football. Um, but uh, I'm very excited to get into it all. Um, you're pointing down at something. I don't know. I don't Your know mic wasn't on. It's not my mic's on. on. Okay. okay, my mic's on now, which is lit. Um, we're going to talk some hockey, some weird stuff, as Colin mentioned. Uh, and uh, if you didn't catch it, I had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> Good stuff, and we're going to start with a little bit of breaking news. It comes in right before we start recording, which is a nice change, um, and it's about Jack Hughes. It was announced earlier today he's coming back tonight for the game against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, he's been out since October 19th, and he's going to start the second uh, start his season for the second time uh, with a new contract, eight years, $8 million, um, and he has shown some real promise. I don't think he's necessarily an $8 million player right now, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be. Um, he shows real, real promise to have a breakout season this year, and it's time to start that right now. I think that there's a lot of energy around this Devils team. They were able to hold serve while he was gone, Colin, and now they've got a motivated Jack Hughes uh, to get on their playoff run. Yeah, and absolutely. For a team that's trying to build something, this is very smart. You're locking in a good player for a good amount of time here. You have Zasha as well. You have other guys on that team that can play. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum on this show. I remember about Hamilton and Graves being a good defensive pairing. That's going to help them. And the Devils have been kind of surprisingly good so far this year. I mean, if you were to tell me that they would have had, let me see, they have 22 points by this point in the season, I wouldn't have thought so. So who knows? If you make a little noise, make it interesting in the Metro as we get closer and closer here, I like the signing. I think it's smart going forward to have a guy that you can turn to and be like, this is our guy for the next, you know, some odd years here. Yeah, I mean, this is their franchise. Uh, other than Nico Hishier, who's also first overall pick, um, they had two within three years, and uh, that's what happens when you're the New Jersey Devils of the 2010s, not really um, able to get anything going, but now they're building for the future. And I think once, you, I mean, now now they have both these guys locked up for a long time. Um, and yeah, what we've seen from the Devils this, this far in the season is not exactly what we've expected. It's definitely been, uh, uh, they've been overplaying probably what their expectations were. And, uh, this has all been without Jack Hughes. So, I mean, we'll see where they go from here. Um, they still got some pretty big injuries and, uh, Miles Woods out. Um, so we'll see if they can, you know, if, if this spark plugs their, uh, their team or, you know, keeps them on this, uh, hot stretch that they've been on, but, I definitely think uh, if for for Jack Hughes, this is, this is kind of a a combination of riches right now. You finally get back to playing on the ice after you know you're taken off for a while, and uh, you get to do it knowing that your future is uh, going to be a lucrative one. That that is definitely for sure. And of course, after his brother this off season um, signed a lucrative contract with the Vancouver Canucks, um, they've they've really played very well. Andreas Janssen had a really nice game the last game they played. Uh, two goals, two assists. And Dawson Mercer has been really, really exciting for them as well. He's a young rookie who's who's come on nice this season offensively. Uh, and Mackenzie Blackwood, since he came back from the injury, 
ha- has been pretty solid. You know, he's eight four and one with a two seven two goals against average and a nine twenty two save percentage. And Bernier's goals against average has been better than Blackwood. So overall, they're getting performance out of pretty much everybody they could have asked it from. Uh, and as I kind of look at this, nobody's really having like a down season. Like, yeah, Ty Smith, maybe he's not as good as he was um, last year when he was a borderline um, Calder candidate. But other than that, I mean, you have guys really stepping into their own. Uh, Thomas Tatar with a nice start to his Devils career. Nico Heischer has been playing well. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton adding him, as we mentioned, is always going to improve them. So super impressed with the Devils so far. And one thing I do want to mention, I do want to get your opinion on Colin because you weren't with us last week. Their whole uh, website right now, as I look at this, is black, which might be a, a, a key that they're wearing the black jerseys tonight. Your thoughts on the black jerseys, and, and please, I wonder if you agree on how terrible they are. I didn't think they were that bad. Oh, interesting. I, I thought they were kind of <laughs> nice, actually. Now, are they the best jerseys I've ever seen? No. But I like the little ode to the different counties of New Jersey. That was kind of clever. But you know they're not half bad for Jersey. They're okay, you know. <laughs> they're okay. They're 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 solidly okay. I think that is fair. Um, and the Devils looking to get a win tonight against the reeling San Jose Sharks. We'll talk about Evander Kane in that situation in a little bit once we round out the locals and we'll go to my local next because I am I'm not happy with this. Uh, the Islanders have lost eight straight games. They are currently on COVID pause. I thought that by the time we started this, it's 5:33 p.m. on Tuesday. We would know if Thursday's game was going to happen, if they're on pause for tomorrow as well. Uh, we don't know that at this moment. Uh, today is the last day of the pause. They're supposed to play Philadelphia today. That is obviously not happening. Um, this has been a, a disaster. Uh, pretty much from the time they got to the Tampa game in those, la- those last two games of the of the road trip, they were completely healthy when they got to Tampa. Then Pulak breaks his foot. Bailey goes into COVID, and it's been all downhill since then. They've lost the first four games at home at UBS Arena. Uh, honestly, they played pretty well in two of them. They played pretty well in the Calgary game. I thought they could have won that one, and they should have won the Pittsburgh game. Tristan Jari was outstanding, and we might have to have a Tristan Jari apology podcast coming up in a couple of weeks because he's been very good this year. But they lost that one one nothing. I thought that they could have won those two games. They've been snake-bitten as well as hurt. You know, They had the worst shooting percentage in the league so far, but at the end of the day, that's what you get when you have a bunch of guys who are no more than Bridgeport Sound Tiger, or excuse me, Bridgeport Islander uh, role players on your team. Uh, And my issue, we could talk about this in a minute, is the precedent that's being set right now with the COVID situation, but on the ice, Colin, uh, your thoughts on the Islanders in general and and just the, the terribleness that's evolved over the last month? It's surprising. But at the same time, with all the injuries, with all the COVID protocols now, you know, taking uh, shape at this Islanders team, it's it's almost not surprising at the same time. It's a bit of a conundrum there because heading into the year, I had very high expectations for this Islanders team, as I'm sure you did, Chris, after last year. They almost took out the Lightning and went to the finals. But I'm looking at the numbers. Bad. The numbers are just atrocious. Their last in power play percentage, and right now in the Metro, they are dead last. 12 points only. My problem going forward with this team is you have the talent. If everyone gets healthy, you have the talent to compete. But when your power play percentage is this bad, and it's going to have to be a vehicle for them to win going forward, that has to get better when everyone gets healthy. But in order for them to do that, you're going to need continuity on offense. You're going to have to have guys that are used to working together as the season progresses. And if you're coming off of injury at a strange time here, as you head into December, and you might still have that Olympic break, I'm not sure you're going to have enough time 
to get that continuity and have these guys playing together as sharply as they possibly could be, especially when the Metro is as crowded as it is. Because I can't see Washington collapsing. I don't think Carolina's going to collapse because, honestly, I do think they're the class of the Metro right now. The Rangers have been very, very good as well. Pittsburgh is no joke at the moment, you know, as long as Tristan Jari can not melt down as he did last year. If I'm the Islanders, I'm not hitting the panic button yet because you got to believe, you know, we have the talent to compete. But I'm certainly breaking a sweat here. I mean, there comes a time where it's time to put up or shut up, and once they get healthy, it's go time. they got to start winning some games. Yeah, I mean, it's been a season of, um, I don't want to say excuses, but obviously they haven't been playing to the extent that, you know, we thought, like, obviously after two, I guess last year wasn't a conference final technically, it was a semifinal appearance, but the year before a conference final appearance, uh, and this team didn't, didn't really change much going into the season, personnel-wise, Uh Obviously not where they wanted to be even before this, and I, I didn't even know this that they've lost eight straight. I didn't even realize that. That's before this this long streak of of losing. I mean, they were still. It was kind of just like they were floating um, on that thirteen game away uh, run that they went on before UBS Arena opened, uh, and that was kind of you know why people were cutting them some slack. And then they were finally returned to the UBS Arena. Uh, grand opening, still haven't won a game yet, there yet, and you know you could definitely blame a lot of this poor play on the fact that they just don't. They're they're lacking guys right now. They're lacking bodies because of the injuries, and of course the the reason are they they're not playing right now is because they just have too many COVID positives. Um, but at a certain point, you know the excuse mill is gonna run dry. Is that, I don't even know. If that that's works. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and uh, they're gonna have to you know actually maybe address some things because right now it's just not looking good at all and it's not really looking like i mean you lose one nothing to the penguins that's that, that was his score mm-hmm. yeah one nothing. I mean, that's tough because obviously you know that's a winnable game but eight straight is very scary yeah no doubt and, and let's get into this this covid precedent thing because this is what i'm ticked off about the most so before the islanders we had had one COVID pause in the league that to this to that point and it was the Ottawa Senators. They had ten guys on COVID, played against the Calgary Flames, and immediately went into the pause after that. Okay. The Islanders had six guys in COVID pause when they played against Calgary Flames. Man, that's too tough. That's just I'm about to say their name again. They must have like a complete immunity on their team because they didn't get COVID from round one. But knock on wood, of course. Anyways, six guys uh for Calgary and then seven guys for the Rangers, and then it was back to six Then after Bailey got off, and then it was back up to seven with Sezikis. So the max amount of players they had on COVID was seven. They also had three non-player staff members get test positive as well. The only thing we know about those is it's not Lou Lamarillo. We don't know anything else about those positives at this moment. Flashback, like, I don't know, a month maybe? Uh, the San Jose Sharks also had seven guys on the COVID list, had three staff members, one of which was their head coach, and they played on. They never went to COVID pause, and they just kept going, and they are back at full strength now, but they were off that hot start, if you remember. They've fallen way down the standings, and it was because of that. So after the San Jose disaster, Pittsburgh also had six guys enter the COVID list as well. Neither of those teams gets postponed. Okay, so now you set a precedent that it has to be 10 guys, right? That's what we were told. 10 players, I should say. That's what we were told from the Ottawa Senators situation is if it's 10 players on the COVID list, 
you're done. And you're out for a week. And that's fine. I think that number is too high, personally. I think it should be closer to five or six. But, hey, if 10 is your number, 10 is your number. You stick with that, nobody's going to have a problem with it. Now they've gone away from it with seven. So my frustration is why the hell was the Ranger game played? You want to tell me that the Calgary and the Toronto game were played because they're coming from Canada, it's opening the new building, it's a weekend, whatever, fine, I got it. The Wednesday game against New York and the Friday game against Pittsburgh, those games were unnecessary and completely ridiculous to play, and it has tanked the Islanders now to basically having a 5% chance. I think I saw it was a 16% chance to make the playoffs. Now, if you include the Islanders... Uh, the Islanders factor into that. Maybe it's like five because this team is cursed and they always will be. But I, this is the frustration, Colin. And I hope I'm I'm bringing that across well because when I saw that they were postponed, I was actually more ticked off than if they had just played through it. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There has to be some sort of consistency there with the NHL. If 10 is your number, that's your number. Stick to that. I would agree with you. I think that is a little bit too high considering the stakes of COVID, considering the stakes of what happens when you let this go for too long, as is what's happening with the Islanders right now. So, yeah, I definitely get your frustration, man. So, I mean, you, you mentioned precedent. Is there's, there's no hard and fast now, rule. Now there's not. There was never a hard-pressed rule. But if you're going to set a precedent, that that's what a precedent is, right? That That's, that's the definition of the rule. Right. It's, it's a rule without really being a rule. Now the precedent is gone. Chaos is going to ensue. Because... It, now, okay, so what's the argument to make why the Islanders got postponed and the Sharks didn't? Is it because they had three injuries and that adds up to ten? Personally, I think that's garbage, honestly. Who makes the decision on that? Is it just... It's just the league. The uh, league itself. And part, the cynical part of me is saying they're going to... The precedence, the number is going to keep going down until they're able to postpone the... Until they're able to pull their guys out of the Olympics in January and then they're going to say whatever. That's the cynical side of me. But th- this is... Fr- they, ha- they have a problem. Like, this, that's not denying it. You don't need Gary Bettman to sit on a press conference. You don't need anybody to sit on a press conference to tell you. You could just look at the league right now and say they have a problem, a real problem, because now there's three guys in Carolina. There's all these guys at the Islanders. Greg McKegg mispracticed yesterday for the Rangers because of COVID. There, there is a legitimate problem. And one that needs to be fixed, given the fact that we don't know what this new variant will do, potentially, especially if it's already in Canada. Unlike last year, where you were splitting up the different teams uh, by country lines. This is now a real issue going forward. I mean, it's always been a real issue, obviously, but now even more so, potentially. Yeah, I'm actually kind of... I mean, we... Like, while we're recording this, today is November 30th, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. No one knows anything about Omicron variant, other than the fact that it's a variant and it's been given a Greek letter name. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, the the fact that now that it's not last year and, like, Canada is just... uh, has operated at a very different... Um, wavelength than the United States on on everything involving COVID and travel. Uh, it does worry me a little bit. Um, the fact that numbers are rising in the league, a very a very well like one of the highest vaccinated rate leagues probably of the four. Yeah, major I think it's sports. only Bertuzzi now. I think he's the only one. Right. So everyone is, except for one guy is vaccinated, and they the and they don't have and they don't have any positives. Detroit, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So. So I mean that's the, the the concern there is that you know Canada just says all right well we don't want people traveling in and out and then what do you do as a league do you re realign divisions in the middle of a season I mean 
Oh I'm a little God. bit worried about that. Obviously, that's that's insane. We we won't know for weeks now because no one will really know what Omicron has in store for us. But yeah, and this is this is you know, this is why I think we get frustrated as hockey fans. Is the NFL has had issues with COVID and have it's been able to get through it. They haven't had to have any issues. They haven't had to postpone any games. But obviously, the Aaron Rodgers situation was big news. Mike McCarthy's not coaching tomorrow's game or went Thursday's game because of COVID. There's been some issues with unvaccinated people as well. And the NBA has had not as many COVID issues as this. And the MLB got through an entire season. Granted, it's all outdoors, but through an entire 162-game season, really without any issues. Um, Now, the NHL, they can't get two months into a season without having two postponements and completely setting themselves up for chaos. You have something to say. I will say that... um in comparison to MLB, MLB did have some teams that had They had some teams the that The Yankees constantly had... Right, the I mean, Yankees had a gazillion They never had to of suspend them. games for it. Well, they the did. Yan- I was on the Grand Concourse driving from Connecticut. They did they suspend a game for that? Game. Yeah, right. the Red Sox game. Right. I was yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was not happy about that. Um, so, like, I mean, other than... But this is... I mean, this is two teams suspended for multiple days. That was right. one day. Right, right. One game, the Yankees got postponed. It got rescheduled against the Red Sox, and they played the next day. I think they also benefit from being, being outside. outside. Of course, <laughs> of course they do, and and that that you can't take that away. But right. this there, January tenth is coming. January tenth is the day that Pierre LeBron has reported the NHL can make their final decision to pull their players from the Olympics. This was part of the deal Gary Bettman and and Bill Daly put in to to pull their guys out of the Olympics. We're what, a month and nine, a month and eleven days away from that. At this point, it feels like that is an inevitability that they're just gonna go. They're not gonna go. And there's been players that have said they're concerned about getting left in China for three weeks, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it feels like an inevitability going to pull them, as you said. There's people for multiple reasons that would like to see them be pulled. By the way. Yeah, so this, Gary Bettman for cash. This this, this is going to be one of the easier decisions to make in my estimation, if not for the COVID concerns alone. This is actually making it easier for them to pull that plug and to say, you know what, we're going to pass this year. Because let's say you do go there. These guys get COVID, they get sick, whatever happens. Like you said, these guys might be left there three weeks, four weeks. When do you start up the season back here? Do you even start up the season back here? Or do you pause it and do what you did back when this all broke out in the first place and just hope and pray they'll be able to finish it at some point. And then the Stanley Cup's in July again, right. and they were doing this whole thing over again where we are finally supposed to get on track. It's This is, it's, it's a disaster. We, we, this is a disaster waiting to happen here. Uh, this team sucks. Okay, the Rangers. <laughs> um, the Rangers are good. The Rangers, Rangers are, are real good. The Rangers are real good. Uh, <laughs> Shester, you got to hope Shesterka keeps this up, though, because Georgiev is not good. Um, right. the, the, the great thing about this Rangers start is, unlike the past two years, they have banked a ton of points pre-Thanksgiving, and that is something that we talked about Last year there was no pre-Thanksgiving, but same idea. And certainly the year before, where they did not bank a lot of points before Thanksgiving, and that killed them at the end when they got hot. Um, now they have started hot. Now what you don't want to see is January and February look like January and February did last year for the Rangers when they started out the season terribly. That's not what you want to see, but so far so good. Yeah, I really like what the Rangers have been doing this year. I'm very, very concerned about Georgiev's play. Because they are going with this tandem of Shesterkin and Georgiev. This is the you know basically the new norm in the NHL has been now for some time. Georgiev's numbers are brutal. Uh, 0.858 save percentage. That is not what you want out of your number two guy. Especially considering you're going to have a lot of back-to-backs coming up in the schedule now. 
And for as good as Shesterkin has been, I don't necessarily want him to be in there every game consistently if it means he's not going to be able to play to the level that he clearly can play and has played this year. He's been great. So they got to hope Georgiev steps it up because they're going to really need him. Otherwise, maybe you go out there and look for another goalie to back up Shesterkin in that fashion because, quite frankly, you're sitting at third in the Metro right now, 29 points. You have a decent cushion over Pittsburgh. I think they're a more talented team than Pittsburgh. I think they're more talented than Columbus when push comes to shove. And I think that game against Boston on Black Friday was an example of what this Rangers team could be. Great game by all accounts, and not to pat myself on the back, but Dryden Hunt has been playing some pretty good hockey recently. Great goal against Boston, breaking the camera. (laughs) Breaking ABC's camera. I liked that one. He's been playing good, really helping that second and third line when he can. Other guys have come in there and done a great job as well. Barkley Goodrow is one that comes to mind. And the other thing I really like is that their power play percentage is trending upwards. I remember the first couple of games of the year, Dallas, Calgary, those early, early games, could not buy a goal on power play. Right now they're 12th in the league, not great, but we're at least trending upward, which is something they're going to really need to do because that's how you're going to win games if you're the New York Rangers right now. Also, they have a weird affinity for shorthanded goals, yeah. which which I kind of like, but let's not get too reliant on those. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the something that you can bank on. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, this team has been fantastic thus far, and it's really refreshing as a, as a Rangers fan of, of late. They've just been not it's, – it's always been a, a year away from a year away, which is something that uh, I guess – Michael Wilbon, or no, 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 no. I think this Tony Kornheiser would 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 say to Michael Wilbon about his Phoenix Suns, uh, they're a year away from a year away. Uh, but it really feels like this this start is indicative of hopefully an entire season ahead. Um, you mentioned they they haven't been starting seasons, you know, in any it, they they're starting seasons with just like obviously you see terrible starts, and when it comes down to it. It seems like they're in the mix, you know, in like March and April. Um, but it's such a hard, it's such a hard hill to climb when you start off terribly like they have been. Um, so I mean, that's just like a huge advantage for them going forward. Uh, you know, they, they may just collapse, you know, later in the season. But from the way that they've put up a fight in the last two seasons, I think that there's a good chance that this this season's a turn of the page, and. With the Georgiev situation, I'd say that's probably their biggest concern right now because they have eight games in the first 17 days of December. Whew. So that's a back-to-back. Let's see. One, two. You got two back-to-backs, a bunch of games within uh, – well, there's a bunch of games within a very small, small time. So they're going to be using Georgiev. They're definitely going to use him Saturday night. Um, I don't think they would make Igor go back-to-back games. Uh, and if we don't start to see any improved play from him, uh, they're going to have to look for a second goalie because Igor can't, you know, carry this team any more than he has been already. He really can't. They have three games in four days, three times in the first 15 days of December. That's, that's a lot of hockey. And that's the time where you need a backup goalie. And three of those are back to backs, as you mentioned. And some of the, like two of them it's at Chicago on a Tuesday home against Colorado on a Wednesday and then one's in Colorado on a Tuesday and in Arizona on a Wednesday that's that's not easy travel either so this is man this is um 
going to be an interesting couple weeks here for Alex Georgiev. And the trade, we're going to start talking about the trade market here pretty soon because I think the Islanders are very interesting. They could go after John Klingberg with all the issues they've had with Zdeno Chara being just bad at hockey. Um, and the Rangers going after a backup goalie is certainly going to be something we're going to talk about. Who that is at this moment, I don't think we can necessarily say. Obviously, Matt Murray is out there on waivers. That's a lot of money. That's $5 million a year, I believe it is. Um, so if he reaches unconditional waivers and you're able to sign up for the veterans minimum, maybe that's a guy you start talking about. But I think right now you got to look at the trade market and that with how many teams have been surprisingly good, I don't know that we can necessarily speculate on who that is yet. I think the Murray move would be a smart one because just looking at Georgia, whatever you're going to have to do to get that second guy will be well worth it because the numbers are just that bad. Like, I want people to understand this is not just nitpicking. This is not the Rangers are good, but we want them to be better. No, this is literally, this could make or break your season. And I say that in the most sincere way possible because going in, I had questions about Igor in terms of sustainability. I knew he was a good goalie. I just didn't know if he could be as good as he was. He actually turned out being this year. I mean, right now with that .933 save percentage, obviously great. Georgiev, goals saved above average, negative 7.8. That is atrocious. I was just going to say he has an 858 save percentage, which is bad, too. That's atrocious. 7.8 goals again. That's bad. That's really the, bad. The need, It's a need to get another goal. It's not a want. Mm. It's not a Christmas wish list. Mm. No, this is you need this. This is water for the Rangers because your team is actually playing very well. It will be a shame and a waste of a season not to get another goalie that at least keep you guys competitive as the season progresses. Now, in the five games he started, they've won three. So let's not go crazy. But... I agree. The numbers Those, are, were high I agree. Games. <laughs> Those were very high-scoring games, including the Buffalo one, because they should have lost the Buffalo game. But I agree that it, it it's not pretty, but they have won three game three of the five games he started. They're gonna rely on him more. This is this that first three weeks in December we just talked about, that's the make and break. I do think they're gonna end up having to move on from him. Uh and I think that they're gonna look back and look at the Kevin Hayes um no, not the Kevin Hayes deadline the one after that, the Chris Kreider deadline, and say, wow, we should have moved Georgiev then because we could have gotten maybe a first round, a late first-round pick from Colorado or Toronto, uh, if you remember all the way back to that season that ended up getting canceled like two weeks later. Anyways, but they certainly could have gotten something from either one of those two teams um, in that at that trade deadline. Um, anything else on the Rangers before we move on? Garden yeah. tomorrow, Quicks? Ooh, well, I I will be at the at the Garden tomorrow night, but I wanted to talk a little bit about... Uh, the the bread and the rat. Oh, that was my next topic. <laughs> that was my next topic. All right, rat. sweet. All right, so it's a great transition. I'm sorry I, I took that from you. No, it's okay. Qu- <laughs> Quigs will be at the garden all this week, I believe, uh, which will be fun. All right, so let's talk about the bread and the rat, which is <laughs> interesting. Um, Brad Marshand was suspended three games for sleuthing Oliver Ekman Larson after in Boston's game against Vancouver uh, earlier this week, but that is not why he's in the news. Uh, obviously, that's not great, and he's getting suspended and, and the whole thing, but. The more interesting thing um, is the Artemi Panarin, Brad Marchand, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, tussle, I would say, although it was in a physical tussle, a verbal tussle, um, in the Black Friday game at the Garden, uh, TD Garden, I should say. Um, as the buzzer sounded, the Rangers won 5-2. to two. As the buzzer sounded, Artemi Panarin leans over the bench, takes his left glove off of his hand, and throws it at Brad Marchand, who's leaning over his bench. That was a good throw. It hit Marchand right where he wanted him. It was a nice throw. Uh, the Jets are looking to Artemi Panarin. Anyways, um, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. It was like, oh, hey, Brad, uh, Artemi Panarin threw his glove at Brad Marchand. That's funny. I wonder what Brad Marchand said. He has a tendency to get under people's skins. Um, and 
maybe it's funny. Okay, it turns out it wasn't very funny. Uh, Brad Marchand said, uh, quote, no one in Russia likes you. Uh, that was confirmed by Brad Marshad in a press conference. I believe it was either today or yesterday. Um, now we we will remember last February ish when uh, Artem Panarin took a leave of absence from the team uh, because there was a situation regarding a story about him that ended up not. Uh, we we're pretty sure at least ended up not being true because um, of his disdain for uh, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Um, no one in Russia likes you was the chirp. Uh, Panarin got upset. I would say rightfully so. Um, there's not been any punishment for the, for that. Although Brad Marchand will sit out the next three games. Uh, but this is just classic Brad Marchand, although probably stepped over a line here. Uh, but good for our time Panarin for literally firing back with a glove. I thought the glove move was priceless. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> that was priceless. No, I mean, it's, it's kind of a low blow. Oh I'd yeah. Like, yeah. I've watched a lot of Brad Marchand hockey. In my life, as you guys know, watching Bruins for as long as I can remember, this is this is this is a little much, I'd say, especially considering Marshan is not even from Russia. Now, if this was a guy that's from Russia and it's a little bit of joshing on that front, may, maybe it's a little bit more okay than when it is. This is a guy from Canada. This is a completely different thing altogether. This is well, it would be interesting if it was a guy from Russia, right? Because the guy from Russia is very pro-Putin. Uh, this is a known thing about Ovechkin. Is he, maybe he's not pro. Maybe he's not very well known pro. It's, he's very well known, not anti-Putin. Mm. I should I, I should phrase it that way because I don't necessarily know that he's all for Vladimir Putin, but he's not on Panarin's side for sure. So if it was that, I agree, right. it would be very interesting. This is it is just like kind of like a basic thing. Like we kind of know this about Panarin, so Marchand pulls it out. Mm-hmm. The uh, authoritarians buy skates too. Um, <laughs> no, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll finally <laughs> ma- <laughs> we might finally make it onto the YouTube with that one. Um, but no, that's a low blow with Alex. Just firing shots over here. Yeah, well, our we're cameras are. I don't know how to work the camera. We're talking about firing shots. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, I, and this is completely, this is, I guess, a side. Um, but Panarin's a righty, and he he threw that with his left hand. So I mean, obviously, if he was throwing with his right hand, it would have been tough. He would have to like lean over. Oh, sorry. Would have to lean over and like. Did you know, <laughs> did you notice the sideline reporter just in the middle? Of oh, the that two was of them? so like, funny! Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Right? she was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> she, she, she just watched it go across her she, face. Like, she like like you could just I'm watching the gif like like over and over right now, and she just very clearly goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, obviously, Marshawn's a rat. He always has been. <laughs> I'm a Boston sports fan, and this is the one the one team I don't root for is the Bruins. And uh, I've always hated Marshawn, um, but he's one of those guys that if you if you root for him, uh, you love him. If you root for any other team, you hate him. And this is just a great example of why. Uh, obviously, that's not just trash talk. That's just weird that he's mentioning um, that like everyone from your home country hates you because you don't support the president that they vote for. That's an air quote. Um, <laughs> getting, a little, getting a little global political on this hockey podcast. But um, Our, the international relations major is not even on mic today. He's, or, he's 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 the producer. Oh man, he's just looking at me like you have no idea what to talk about. Probably, like, yeah, you're right. Uh, so obviously this goes above uh, normal trash talk and is probably, I think that he has a meeting right with with uh, player safety. He already had it. He got suspended three games because of the OAL thing. Oh, I don't they think didn't. They meeting. didn't mention anything about this. I don't. No, no not to my knowledge. This. No. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it like maybe a fine. It, it, the fact that Panarin is fined five thousand dollars for throwing a glove at him, like, like I get that it's technically assault, but like <laughs> you're like this is a game where like you're penalized five minutes for like literally just like fighting, um, like with your with your fists. So I don't know. It's kind of stupid that he was fined five thousand dollars for that, especially because of you know it was in retaliation to uh, a pretty harsh criticism i guess they're just like i don't know just mean taunting that goes way over the line um of just like normal trash talk so you know classic rap behavior um panarin had a funny quote about it he said uh uh i lost five thousand dollars in this but thanks to the rangers gm i'm making 11 million this year so that is that um, is very true it's it's very small potatoes for him very interesting comments by marsh after the fact though he says, if that's what sets guys over the edge, then it's the softest league in the world. That's an interesting comment to make. Good for you, Brad. What you went like, after. Like, then, then you stuck your foot out and almost killed a guy. <laughs> like yeah. the next game. So, I mean, what are we talking about here? Also, good on the Rangers for uh, actually looking into this because apparently Panarin spoke to someone, I guess, affiliated with the offers at, at yep. New York Rangers front office. And, you know, look into this, please. I did not start this little back and forth and mm. they did that good on them for sticking up for your guy i think that's becoming a lost thing in sports it becomes more individualistic i, I kind of like that i agree all right where do we want to go next let's go to evander kane another interesting fella he's coming he is eligible to come back from his 20 plus game suspension this week uh but the sharks do not want him back this is the players in the locker room saying please do not let this guy in our locker room um this was kind of a development right around the time the suspension came down uh, that the Sharks players are are done with him, and this is this is I guess a long time coming. And this was the fi- the fake fake vaccine card was the final straw. He was put on waivers. Nobody claimed him, obviously. Uh, so he's down with the AHL affiliate now. The Sharks are looking at potentially buying him out, but this is all in in a tweet earlier this week. But the Sharks are also willing to eat fifty percent of his salary in a trade. In that tweet, the Canucks were mentioned by name. Um, if you want to talk about weird locker room cultures right now, weird front offices, the Vancouver Canucks are right at the top. I cannot think of a worse landing spot for Vander Kane than the Vancouver Canucks. And honestly, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. I think that's going to be a buyout situation. And if somebody wants them, they'll sign him for the veterans minimum because I don't see, I don't see a way you give up uh, assets for this guy right now. I can't think of a good landing spot for him at the yeah, moment. Yeah, no, that that's fair as well. Given everything that we know, that he's kind of evaded. One way or another, he finally gets caught on the fake vaccine card. Now, I don't know about the other allegations. I really don't. I don't claim to know. But it just it feels like even if everything's fine and he goes somewhere else, there's still that elephant in the room of this guy's going to be a distraction. And if you try and send him to a contender, that's not what you need. That's not how you win. You need everyone to be on the same page, and adding that element into the room is not a good idea. I said this actually about Odell Beckham a while back. I think it's kind of similar. Even if you think that everything's on the up and up and everything's on the straight and narrow, adding that giant into a room creates a whole nother mentality amongst your, your teammates, amongst coaches, staff. And I think Evander came with the same situation. Even if he goes somewhere else, there's still going to be that idea amongst his teammates of, oh, did you hear about XYZ from his time in San Jose? So I'm not sure there's a good landing spot for him, quite honestly. Yeah, if I'm an NHL team right now, I'm definitely not betting on Evander Kane. Uh, I don't want to minimize. Um, I mean, he, he, he's admitted that he has a gambling problem. I don't want to like minimize the addiction there. Um, but he's not 
shown that he's very a very high quality character. I mean, this whole the fake vaccination card is just like, what are you doing? Like you don't even like it's not like they're even mandating you to be vaccinated in the NHL. It's just that you have to comply with you know reasonable like uh, measures because you're not vaccinated. And uh, he said uh, no, you need to get a fake card. Um, so obviously that's and and there's a good thing he got suspended for that. Um, but and no one on his team wants to play with him. I'm sure nobody in the league really wants to play with him. He's just constantly in the news for all the wrong reasons. And, you know, he's had a great career. He's, he's a fantastic offensive player. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think any team other than Vancouver would even think about adding him right now unless it was at, like, a a, a price that was just so, like, I don't know. You'd have to, like, really sugarcoat this deal uh, if you were to trade him. Uh, no one claimed on waivers. He's currently rostered for the San Jose Barracuda, um, which is really... I've always thought it was weird that they play in the same arena as the Sharks. I think the Marlies do, too. I think that's not as uncommon as you think it is. I think the Marlies ah, do. I think there's an, it is a little weird, though. I agree. It's just an arena that you'll never be able to sell out. Regardless, uh, I think Vancouver makes the most sense, even though like it would be... A, I think it's a dumb move on their part, but it makes the most sense because he's from there. Um, and like you said, they got they got a, a funky front office out there. Yeah, that's that's all very well said. And his it's important to note his um, cap hit is seven million dollars. So a fifty percent retain would be a three and a half million dollar cap hit for um, the team that does take him. I do want to give credit to that tweet that I referenced earlier. It was Rick Dollywall Dollywall Dollywall. Um, who tweeted that out, so I do want to give credit to that because I um, forgot to write that down. Shout out, Rick. Right, shout out, Rick. Okay. Um, speaking of play, uh, team, uh, players not, a team not wanting a player, uh, that is the claim that Brady Kachuk made about former Ranger Brandon Lemieux after Lemieux bit him. So Tyler's going to play this. Let's take a listen. I think it was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. Um, not even children bite. It, and it's, this guy is just, you can ask any one of his teammates, nobody wants to play with him. This guy is... A bad guy, bad teammate, you know, focus on himself all the time. Um, just the guy's a joke. He shouldn't be in this league. It's, it's, this guy's gutless. As I know no other team wants him. He's going to keep, you know, begging to be in the NHL, but no team's going to want him. This guy's just an absolute joke and just a bad guy. And it's just, it's, it's gutless, but I, I can't really wrap my head around it. Children don't even do this. This, this guy's just a bad guy and not even a good player either. Code of conduct broken, obviously, big time. Um, how shocked were you when that happened? It's outrageous. It, it, it's like I like, kids don't even do that anymore. It's babies do that, and the fact that he decides it's I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> that that's some quality. That's some quality trash talk right there. Uh, these two have, do have a history. It goes back to when Lemieux was on the Rangers. Uh, they don't like each other. And Lemieux bit uh, Kachuk during some, some sort of tussle in their recent game. Um, and we were joking afterwards, is that how the Omicron variant uh, is spread? Maybe. Uh, we're going to have to find out on that one. But it's, oh, man, this is just a weird move by Brendan Lemieux. And good for Brady Kachuk, man. I mean, clearly there is an issue between those two. And I'm glad that it's out there because that that's an all-time sound, sound clip right there. Two things on this. Don't you love the Greek generational fight that's going on between these two? <laughs> it was the father's fight, and now it's their fight. 
The second thing is Lemieux clearly went to the Mike Tyson school of defending himself. <laughs> was the first thing I thought. I mean, that was insane. I read it and I had to do a double take. I'm like, he, he what? He, he bit him. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I was like, <laughs> I have to see the video now. <laughs> I mean, just, and then I love the, the trash talk back. I was waiting for him to use the word blockhead to maybe get, you know, Charles Schultz peanuts reference. And I'm like, no, we went with brickhead. That's okay. Uh, but just, you know, the repetition of such a bad guy. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like a man who just is lost. He doesn't know what to say other than, I don't know why this happened to me. This seems inhumane to me. And I have no clue how to respond here. But, geez, what a what a wacky storyline that is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, what, what was the last time we had a biting incident in uh, uh, sports? Was it Suarez in the Oh, the World Olympics. Cup? Good call, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the World Cup 2014. Not yeah. to, oh, the World Cup. That's right. a big brand new bit. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you know, biting in sports, it's always been very uh, not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I'm saying that. Especially I'm trying the- to think of maybe any other. Like, that's just like the, the least. The least cool thing. You can the do. least cool thing uh, in sports. is It's biting and spitting. Mm. Those yeah. are the two things, that, especially in hockey, where like. Really, anything goes. Um, biting you throw and a glove at a guy. You're throwing a glove at a guy. But uh, biting and spitting uh, and biting is just so – like like Chuck said in that in the post-conference – or post-game press conference, he uh, he said children don't even do that. Well, <laughs> Anymore. Children, children don't do that <laughs> anymore, do that which anymore. was weird because it's like, oh, yeah. You know, it, we, you, children used to do this, but nowadays they've really they've really tightened the ship on children biting. Right. He's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Just goes to show you, like, how confused he probably was during that press conference. <laughs> But um, children do bite. I will say, I I know some children out there that bite. I'm not gonna name names. Um, but uh, no, I, I I will say in I'll play devil's advocate here just a, a bit. Um, when you're fighting with someone and they have like a hand in your face, potentially in your mouth, probably, and your arms are you know, I mean the refs were trying to break them up that entire time, so uh, your arms are not really at use. Uh, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna bite. Um, yeah, but I guess he bit him twice. <laughs> he bit he him back, twice, and then he drew blood at the second. Exactly. One too. So it's, that's weird. That's it's, it's just completely weird. Kachuk has a, a a great reason to be mad at him, um, and uh, you know these guys have a history, as as we said, their dads have a history. Um, I think I think it's really interesting how he went after him in the press conference. Yes. I didn't I didn't really expect that because uh, even like right after the the play like. You'll go back and watch the tapes of uh, them both being in the box yelling at each other. Um, but, like, it kind of seems like they're, like, not, like, really pissed off at each other. They're more, like, talking about the fight, like, oh, blah, 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 like they usually do. Um, but, no, there's clearly a lot of hate that Brady Kachuk has for Lemieux. And, uh, and I mean, I'll power to him because that's yeah, kind of insane. Pretty, pretty funny stuff. Uh, all right, last thing before we get out of here, Mark Bergevin is fired from the Montreal Canadiens. It's the third general manager opening of the year. Obviously, we have Chicago with that situation, and Bob Murray, we talked, Bob Murray I should say, we talked about. Mark Bergevin, uh, gone soon after Montreal's cup run, uh, but Montreal really hasn't been good since the Price MVP year. They haven't made it past the first round since then, um, and last year, uh, besides last year, and last year, it was um, it was fake. Uh, that's what most people don't don't talk about. It was fake, and um, they 
they beat a team in seven games that was cursed. They beat a, they swept a team that was not good in Winnipeg, and then they beat Vegas, which they should get credit for. And I'm not even necessarily trying to take credit away from the players. I'm just saying this roster is built pretty poorly, and now without Shea Weber uh, and Philip Deneau, uh, it's built really poorly. And uh, Jeff Gorton, our old friend, uh, gets the job as VP of Hockey Operations, and uh, he has a lot in front of him. Absolutely, especially without Carey Price there as well to really be the anchor as he was last year, and really got them through what you mentioned was considered by most a fake playoff run. I personally was a little bit surprised that it came as soon as it did after last year, because even if you think it's a fake season, there's still that kind of rose-colored glasses effect that comes from, oh, we made it to the Stanley Cup final. We won a game against the (laughs) Mighty Lightning. So I was surprised it came as soon as it did in that regard, especially when you do have some young talent. I'm using some in very bold letters here. In Cole Caulfield, you still have uh, Weber, as you said, who, you know, now he's injured, obviously, but I thought they'd be better this year, personally. I actually did think Montreal would be much better than what they are. Only 14 points in the Atlantic right now, only in front of Ottawa, which is not very good. 6-16 six and 16 in terms of record, so definitely not what you want to see there. But yeah, I, I think New GM has his work cut out for him, to be sure. This is not a good hockey team right now. I think it's surprising that they're as bad as what they are. But who knows? If he can make the right moves a year or two, they might be right back where they were last year. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not terribly surprised by the moves because of what this city is, um, this team, this franchise. 24 Stanley Cups. They're, you know, obviously since their last one in 93, they haven't exactly been um, the same team or the same, uh, you know, lauded franchise that they were in their first hundred so years of operation but um they finally got to their last or their first world cup or oh my god they finally got to their first stanley cup uh since 93 last season and you know say what you want about it being you know fake or like a fraud um they kind of got a taste of of you know stanley cup hockey back in uh in montreal and i don't think that they really want to rest on their laurels right now because they don't have a lot of that. Uh, the past 25 years, they haven't done anything. So this is a, a franchise and a city that's used to winning, and uh, they're not they're not just going to wait around um, for the results to happen. They're gonna they're gonna make moves, and I think that this is the first step in you know at least somewhat reclaiming uh, a throne that's been taken away by every single other American hockey team uh, since 1993. Yeah, that's obviously the hope there. Um, two quick things before we head out. Uh, one, the Penguins got sold for $900 million to the Fenway Group. Uh, heck of a valuation for an NHL team. I think this is overall good. Absolutely, especially by Fenway Sports Group. Had another wacky storyline to today's <laughs> Yeah, <list. laughs> I, uh, I hate the Penguins, um, but I do like Fenway Sports Group because they've gotten me four championships uh, in my very short lifetime. Um, so... Well, see what happens. And uh, letter grade on the U.S. Olymp- U.S. Olympic jerseys, me, uh, it's an F. F minus. Yeah, I, definitely an F, but I'm going to say it's like a, a 40, a 40 out of 100. 40 out of 100. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler, give me your score in my ear right now. 
50 out of 100 from Tyler. Right. Uh, yeah, they're really bad. Uh, when you have the, the, the white jerseys with the USA across, mm. just use them every single time. And I hope they use them for the World Juniors as well. Okay, uh, long episode today, but we had a lot to get to. That's going to do it for us. Um, I'm at the co- not the Coliseum, UBS on Thursday, assuming the game happens. Quiggs is at the Garden tomorrow. Lots of good stuff coming up this week. We will be back next Tuesday with another episode of 5 on 3. Colin Locker and Thomas Quigley, Tyler Mooney behind the glass. I'm Chris Hennessy. We will talk to you then.